for us, the mental and emotional health needs really speaks to the fact that we want to look at the wholeness of our young person and yeah. not just test scores. Right. The success of our young people, the success of the classroom, the success of our system um, isn't just whether or not a young person can show up on a day and get a good score um, in reading. It's whether or not they're thriving and feel safe and can be in a state of mind to learn and that our teachers are able to support them and our schools are able to support them. So very much that the education system um, is about creating thriving human beings um, and not just good test takers. The Apex Project is the latest initiative of Unify Ed that seeks to engage the community and pull everyone into the conversation on public education. Over the past six months, they've been engaging and listening to the community, and the result is the Apex Policy Platform, a synthesis of the 10 most popular solutions to improve our community and our public education system. Joining me to discuss the results of the Apex Project are Unify Ed's Alexa LaBeouf, and Ashley Conrad, as well as APEX Steering Committee members Samantha Booker and Carrie Garrett. This is the Camp House Podcast, and I'm your host, Matt Busby. Well, everyone, welcome to the podcast. Yeah, so today's going to be a really interesting episode. We're breaking some records here, I think not only for us, but I think for the studio. Um, we, we have Unify Ed in the studio today to talk about the Apex Project, um, but I have four guests, and so five total mics, and uh, I mean, this is bigger than, I mean, this is the biggest thing we've ever done in terms of the podcast, so you guys, thank you for being here. Thank you. Thank for you for having, having us. us. Thanks. Yes. So, like I said, we're here with the, with the Unify Ed to talk about the Apex Project, which is sort of their latest initiative to sort of further education and the awareness of issues within our education system here in Hamilton County. And um, But before we really get into that, I need to go around the room and sort of introduce everybody. Uh, to my right is Alexa. Alexa, tell us what you do for Unify Ed. Yeah, I'm the Director of Community Engagement and Design at Unify Ed. Well, welcome. And Thank then, you. Carrie, you don't work for Unify Ed. Um, we have two members of the steering committee here. Uh, so tell us a little bit about yourself, Carrie. Yeah, yes, my name is Carrie Garrett, and I'm a part of the steering committee, and I'm a retired teacher in Hamilton County. And Ashley, welcome. Hi. Yes, um, I'm Ashley Conrad, and I'm the director of policy and research at Unify Ed. Right. And then our final guest is Samantha. You're also part of the steering committee, correct? Right, yeah. So my name is uh, Samantha Booker. I'm a member of the steering committee, a longtime resident of uh, Hamilton County. And uh, I do a lot of local activism with the LGBT community and uh, with uh, veterans groups and disaster response work. Yeah, great. So I'm, I'm really excited to have all of you because I, I think, uh, well, I think one of the beautiful things about Unify Ed is how diverse um, your organization is. And, uh, and I think that's really represented in this podcast, not only because when I offered to do this on the Apex Project, you guys wanted to pull in uh, some of the important community members into this who've, who've been part of the process. But before we really get to the, the Apex Project, you know, we, we did have Jonas and Natalie on to talk about Unify Ed. You know, I think maybe, I don't think it was quite a year ago. But just, you know, for my listeners who have never heard of you guys, um, you know, Ashley or Alexa, whoever wants to take it, tell us a little bit about what Unify Ed is. Yeah, so Unify Ed has been around for about three or four years. Um, 
the community did some research around what's missing in our public schools and we recognized that the public, in fact, is what was missing from our public education oh. system. So we were created as an organization to do a lot of grassroots organizing um, and advocacy work for our public schools to um, integrate the, more of the community voice, teacher voice, student voice into what's happening in our school system and to become a vessel for um, them to be better advocates for themselves. And how long has Unify Ed been around at this point? I think we're three to four years. I don't have the exact dates in mind, but yeah, around that time frame. All right, so Unify Ed's been around for three to four years now, and uh, but it, it you know it feels like you know seeing some of the work that Unify Ed has put out, it's it's been a lot of ambitious work. Um, like you guys did the school guide, where you kind of put a profile out there of every public school in Hamilton County. Um, is there a film associated with every school as well, like a short video? Yes. So we put out the public school guide, I believe, two years ago. So we have longitudinal data on different student outcomes and demographic makeup. And then we also have the school guide videos that highlight the great things happening in our schools. So it's not just all focused on challenges that we're facing, but also some of the beautiful things that are happening in our classrooms. One of the things that was interesting, I thought the school guide that the Unified Ed put out used to be put out by the city of Chattanooga in the paper every year, oh, but wow. they stopped doing that. Mm. And so it was good to see Unified Ed bring that back mm. and do great. that. Yeah, and if you want to learn more about that school guide, well, first of all, you can check out their website, which is unifi-ed.org, and, uh, and you can check out the school guide there. Or you can actually go back to the podcast that we did do with uh, Natalie and, and Jonas, and we talk a lot more about the school guide in that episode. But when, we, when it comes to ambitious projects, um, you know, that, that, that was a huge project, but I, I feel like this latest uh, project you guys have going on with the Apex Project might be one of the most ambitious things you guys have ever undertaken. So, you know, as we as we get into talking about this, what is the Apex Project? So the Apex Project is the action plan for educational excellence, and it stems from the formation of Unified, as Ashley was discussing. Um, one of the priority areas that the community wanted was that every young person had the equal opportunity to succeed. And so this most recent campaign is focused on equity, which means that every young person, no matter their zip code, no matter their background, no matter their identity, has the opportunity to be as successful as they can possibly be, that they're thriving in our schools. Um, on a practical level, it's a grassroots organizing effort, which means that we want the community to be the initiators, the drivers, and the forces behind what is essentially a demand for change, a policy platform rooted in equity. And so the way that we did that was we had 2,600 conversations across Hamilton County in all of the districts. We were in y'all's churches. We were in <laughs> your community center basements. We were at grocery stores. Bars, coffee shops. Bars were part of it. Yeah, coffee shops too <laughs> as well. Um, basically anywhere where people gathered and people were, we mm -hmm. tried to go where folks were. And it was a difficult and fun process. There could be zero people at a community meeting and there could be 40 people at right. a community meeting. Um, and we essentially asked two questions. Um, what are the equity issues that you see in your schools? And what would you do differently? What are your recommendations for moving forward? Yeah. Um, part of this process inherently was about the dialogue and the conversation. Folks are experiencing equity issues, but not necessarily naming them or understanding what's happening in District 1 versus District 9. Right. So part of the dialogue and the uh, data gathering was education and conversation and building a shared understanding. Um, that data was then taken and analyzed by a team uh, at Unify Ed um, to find themes, core themes that arose out of the data. Yeah. Um, those themes were narrowed down into 25 core issue areas that were then organized by stakeholder group who had ability to make change on those issues. So that would be elected officials, schools, community organizations, 
community members, and the Hamilton County Department of Education. Ultimately, those 25 themes were put up into a school bus um, in partnership with Rondell Cryer at Studio Everything and Brittany and Colleen with the Passage Bus, um, which is a school bus used to take tutoring into communities. And we just drove that school bus around, again, going to where people were. Um, this school bus is a model used previously in grassroots organizing efforts, um, most notably the PS 2013 campaign in New York City, mm. which led to the mayor taking on community schools throughout the city. Um, we then counted the chips and what were people's top priorities, and that became the policy platform. So uh, tell me again, one more time, what does APEX stand for? The Action Plan for Educational Excellence. So this whole process is, I mean, how, when did you guys begin this process? So we had a launch event last August, which we were speaking about earlier this morning. So we brought in Dr. John Marshall from Louisville, Kentucky. He's the Chief Equity Officer in Jefferson County Public Schools. So that's kind of when we launched this process and opened up the application process for the steering committee members to apply to be a part of the project. So it's been it's been well over six months at this point, yes. and the entire driver, the big question that really you know focused this project is what are the equity issues you see in our school system, and how what would you do differently? Those were the two mm -hmm. driving questions. Yes. Awesome. And so um, out of that, and you, you said you had sixteen hundred people participate in this. Twenty six hundred people initially with the surveys that we did, right. uh -huh. um, and then another fifteen hundred who interacted with us on the bus. So the surveys really. Uh, you're just asking very general questions. What are the equity issues? What would you do differently? And then out of those surveys, you guys whittled that down uh, into 25 key issues, correct? Yes. And then uh, you broke that into five categories. And it, you know, really before we get into, I think we really do want to get into the process of the bus and how you guys Absolutely. did that and the chips. You mentioned the chips because it was a fascinating <laughs> process and that, that I got to be a part of as well. Um, but I'm, I'm interested in hearing from Carrie and Samantha. Um, you guys were part of the steering committee so you actually aren't part of Unify Ed outside of really this project. How did you guys come to be involved in the steering committee? Yeah, that's right. So the steering committee is made up of about uh, 27 folks from all across the county. Uh, there were three of us from each um, county district. Um, and that was done to make sure that there was a, a really good like geographic representation across the county. Um, the committee was also selected um, based on um, background. So we have people from all sorts of different faith backgrounds, people from of different ages, um, teachers, students, community members, um, uh, and uh, everything in between. So <clears throat> um, my personal uh, involvement actually is kind of a funny story. So um, I, I actually didn't originally want to be involved. Um, <laughs> I do a lot of other, um, you know, uh, uh, projects in the community. Uh, and, uh, you know, uh, I felt like I had a pretty full plate. Um, but uh, a colleague of mine, uh, actually talked me into uh, reaching out and, and applying for uh, the steering committee when that application process started. Um, and, uh, you know, they thought that it would be good to have some representation from our, you know, 10 to 12,000 LGBTQ community members in Hamilton County um, on yeah. that committee. And yeah. so, uh, so that was uh, the reason that I ultimately decided to apply. Um, and then uh, ended up being selected out of the applicants. So uh, here I am. Yeah. And what district do you represent? Yeah, so I'm in District Four. Okay, so downtown. Yeah, so so District Four uh, is actually a pretty pretty large district. It covers um, you know the Amnicole Highway area through like the east side of downtown down towards the Georgia border. Okay, and then Carrie, how did you become involved in this? Uh, actually, it's interesting in that it's a little bit different than Samantha's story. Uh, I've as a newly retired 
teacher from Hamilton County, my plate was emptying. Okay. So I, I wanted to stay involved with the uh, educational process and what was happening in Hamilton County. So I went to the Marshall presentation and applied there. And uh, fortunately, to be accepted and uh, participate in, in this process. Yeah, so how, how many people applied to be part of the steering committee? You guys know? Yeah, over we had 100. over 100 applicants Perfect. apply. Yep. And, and again, yeah. that's from all across the county. Yes. All across the county, yeah. That's wonderful. Um, how is the, um, so you guys wanted to find out what the community uh, sort of saw as issues within HCDE. Um, what, it, what was the role of the steering committee within the, the entire APEX project? And uh, I mean, obviously you guys are still key to this because you're here, uh, you know, part of this interview. Yeah, so the steering committee um, was meant to do a couple of things. First, it was designed to uh, help guide and inform the efforts of Unify Ed, um, and especially, uh, you know, when you get involved in, in organizing and you're, and you're so close to these issues and, you know, you're so uh, involved in working with them, uh, you know, you, you kind of lose the, pers you can potentially lose the perspective of the community. So involving the steering committee was a way that Unify Ed could um, sort of, uh, check what they were doing against yeah. a really diverse and representative background of folks from the community. Um, and, uh, you know, one of the things that really uh, impressed me about the steering committee was, like I said, there were people, um, you know, from such different backgrounds that you normally wouldn't put in a single room together and expect to get along very well. Um, you know, these days there's such a huge divide in the country on all sorts of fronts, right? Um, and, and you, you know, you would normally expect that kind of thing to play out in a space like this. But actually what the organizers did a really great job at doing was making everybody really um, comfortable with being vulnerable to each other. Um, and so we were able to have some really tough conversations uh, about a lot of the really divisive issues um, as it relates to education, but also just in general, um, yeah. that I honestly haven't seen happen anywhere else uh, outside of this space. Um, so I think that was really powerful and it, and it got us to um, come to a point where we could make compromises on things and, and help make those tough decisions uh, and uh, really guide Unify Ed's uh, efforts in, in that way. Yeah, so do you, I mean, so being involved in this process, you know, I think you said you live downtown, correct? Mm -hmm, that's correct. So uh, do you, like, know and are friends with people sort of outside of downtown that maybe without being part of the steering committee or being even involved in Unify Ed, you would you would never even know these people? Oh, definitely. Yeah. I mean, I, but, you know, I, I grew up in, in Dunlap, so that's a, a, a pretty rural area. Um, yeah. So I'm, I'm, I've got a bit of a, a you know, a, a mix there, right? Great. Um, but, uh, you know, I think that, honestly, the, the really important thing about, uh, about the diversity of the steering committee is that um, everybody really, I think, was represented in our county uh, equitably. Uh, and I think that is um, sort of a mirror image of what we'd like to see happen in our public school systems. Because there are a lot of people, um, I think, that go about their day-to-day -day lives without really interacting with each other in the city. You know, we're one of the most um, racially and socioeconomically segregated cities in the country. Um, we've got a lot of problems around uh, issues like affordable housing and especially education. Uh, and I think really education is, uh, is something that uh, is important to anybody and everybody, no matter what background you come from, no matter what race or uh, you know, socioeconomic status you have, uh, no matter your age. Uh, I think it really impacts everybody. Um, and so I think that's really uh, part of the big reason why we were able to come together like that. Yeah, and I think we're going to talk a lot more about racial and socioeconomic integration as we kind of move on in this interview. Um, but, Carrie, talk to me more about the steering committee. Like, uh, wh what was the impact that you saw of the steering committee on the APEX project? I would echo what Samantha has already said as far as uh, 
being able to keep the perspective uh, of uh, Unified open. Uh, like uh, Samantha said, sometimes they can close down and get focused on just a narrow thing, but bringing the community in and having everybody from different districts um, keeps it open and, and the perspective available and open. Yeah, yeah, I, I love how you guys had it equal representation from every district within the county uh, within the steering committee. I think that was, that was really important. And, you know, I'm curious, I mean, because both the interview process at the beginning of the Apex Project and the bus tour, which we're about to talk about, both of those relied on Unify Ed being out in the community, not relying on people coming to you or just some sort of website. Um, and I'm, I'm curious, so this, the steering committee probably helped find those areas within those districts to be able to take your, your interviews and stuff like that, correct? Yes. Yeah, we were... The steering committee was our greatest asset in that they operated and were willing to invite us into spaces and places that we had never been before. Um, they hosted in their homes. They hosted in their uh, community coffee shops. They were willing to try and attempt and be and invite where Unify had, had never been before, um, yeah. where as outsiders our folks just coming in and asking questions, we wouldn't have ever been as successful. Um, and we didn't even need to be present in most of these spaces. Most of these meetings were hosted without staff there um, because I believe that the steering committee felt comfortable and willing and able to take leadership and this conversation into their own communities. Um, so most of it happened without us, which allowed a, a capacity to be had that we didn't have just as staff members, but also um, voices that most likely would have never been engaged before to have us. Yeah, say. so you guys feel incredibly confident the community really took ownership of this project. Absolutely. I mean, there are always going to be gaps and, and yeah. places and people that we didn't hit. And we recognize that and want to continue to forge forward and be better in the future. And the steering committee has played an integral role in kind of shining a light on those areas and brainstorming with us how we can reach groups that we haven't reached in the past. Um, so we recognize that this was not a perfect process. It was a messy process. Um, there were bumps along the way, but we were very supportive of each other and honest about what's working and what isn't working. And I hope, I think anyone who wants to do this type of work moving forward, being really honest about what you're doing well, what you're not doing well, and how um, to make small improvements or big improvements along the way is important. Yeah, yeah, I think that's really important not to, to recognize there's never going to be a perfect process, right? right? But uh, it sounds like you guys did your best efforts. Well, great. Okay, so the Apex Project started with a bunch of uh, community surveys asking what are the big equity issues, uh, what would you do differently within the county, and then you guys took and distilled that down to 100, uh, 100 individual items for the voting process? 25. 25. 25 individual <laughs> I was like, items. whoa. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of reading. to read 100 <laughs> themes yeah. on a bus, more power to you. <laughs> so, so you guys created it down to five categories with 25 issues, mm -hmm. and then you had people vote on it. And, and the way this took shape, well, tell me about the bus sure. and, and the way you guys took that to different communities and the process you had people vote on these 25 issues. Sure. So we partnered with um, a local nonprofit, The Passage, um, which is two teachers, Brittany and Colleen, who actually have a mobile classroom through a, a little red school bus that they bring to their neighborhoods where they um, work in the community. So we partnered with them and retrofitted the bus with our partner, Rondell Cryer, with Studio Everything. So he made, with his apprentices, the um, voting structures for folks to be able to interact with the voting process. Um, so we had many conversations with them, created the structures, and then the process looked um, something similar to someone entering the school bus. We had organizers and students walk people through uh, the instructions. They each had seven chips. 
seven chips, okay. Yes. And so they could vote for each one of the five categories, so elected officials, central office, schools, community members, and community organizations. And then they had two bonus tokens, so they could put those wherever they felt most Okay, so like about. under elected officials, you had about five issues, and they had to vote yes. which one was the most important to them. Yes. Mm -hmm. Okay, yep. perfect. And then you had two freebies, essentially, at the end. Yes. And each of our bus stops had both young people and community organizers who were there to address any mm -hmm. questions any concerns, dialogue around the issues. You weren't just thrown onto the bus and mm -hmm. expected to know inherently what things were. Um, organizing was part of the way that the bus worked. I do also want to add that Southern Squeeze lent mm -hmm. us 30 glass yes. jars um, and we're another partner in helping make this possible. And one of the most beautiful aspects of the bus tour was, yes, people got to vote and interact in that tactical way um, but the conversations that got to be held after the bus after they went through um, were really uh, amazing to watch and participate in we were at Highland Park Commons one evening and we got to ha incorporate the Spanish-speaking population with our Spanish-speaking organizer we had police officers come through so groups that might not normally interact um, in a way that's super comfortable we're able to in a shared setting share hot chocolate share coffee and snacks mm -hmm play cornhole together, and have dialogue around public schools. Did, did the community, when they kind of read through these issues, uh, what, was, what did you notice was surprising for most people as they read through these issues? I think I was surprised at the stops that I was at. People were really comfortable with disagreeing, mm -hmm. oh, wow. which we yeah. totally love mm -hmm. and welcome. Yeah. Um, it wasn't like a passive process. Mm -hmm. You didn't just like move the bus, hop out. People pushed back. And um, people either shared that they agreed or they had personal experiences, but plenty of dialogues popped up that weren't like, oh, this is great. It was, hey, I have an issue with this, or I disagree with this, or this isn't my own experience. So I've been consistently surprised with the vulnerability and openness that our community has with one another um, and the willingness to dialogue. So that was something that stood out to me. That was one of the things that, that impressed me. It wasn't just about putting the chip in. There were conversations mm -hmm. had about why you put the chip mm -hmm. there or, or, or people wanted to talk about why they voted a particular way. Yeah. So that was enlightening and educational for me. Yeah, and I think, um, I think it's really interesting, too, like I, like I mentioned earlier, how education uh, is something that affects everybody. So I think that is one of the sort of, um, I don't know, great equalizers, right? People are willing to talk about that in a way that they wouldn't necessarily talk about other issues. Something I really enjoyed was watching the students. So we were at multiple schools, watching them participate and have conversations like y'all were saying. It was a way to elevate student voice in a space where they want their voices elevated, but mm. don't always have a way to participate yeah. in that yeah. in that fashion. I think for Unified and for our community partners, like we firmly believe that equity isn't just the demand and the end product. It's inherently supposed to be a part of the process when you work with communities. Um, and achieving that means being very highly conscious every step of the way of how uh, paid staff members can minimize their own position and maximize uh, the voices and power of the community because that's where change is going to occur. Uh, unified as a staff of seven or eight, we're not going to manifestly change everything, but together as a community we can. And how we provide um, that platform for others to take the work is equity. That's what equity is, and so we're constantly striving for that, and we think the bus did a good job of that. And I think keeping it keeping it moving forward too is really important. Um, you know, a lot of these. Uh, uh, you know, if 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 you're looking at this from an outside perspective, you might think, oh, well, that's just going to be you know some legislation or or some change in 
you know, uh, political leadership or, or what have you. But really, I think it, it's deeper than that, right? Like, I think that um, really what this is about at its core to me is is shifting how people perceive how education policy is created um, and, uh, and putting the control back in the hands of the community at large. So in the end, how many people did you guys have participate in the bus tour? So we had over 1,500 individuals participate in the bus tour and over 4,000 community members participate in the process altogether. That's fantastic. All right, so you know, as we're, as we're looking at now, let's, let's begin to shift and look at the results of the bus tour and, and the, the results of this you know, 4,000 person long um, sort of community voting session on what are the big issues facing HCDE. And um, you guys, when you did the bus tour, you actually split these 25 issues into five categories. And those were elected officials, HCDE administration and leadership, schools, community members, and community organizations. So I think actually the work uh, isn't really about the Department of Education so much as it is about the community across the county. Because we believe that, um, it, you know, in the work that we've done with the community and raising up community voices, that uh, leadership has to come from the community and has to come from the citizens of Hamilton County. Um, and so uh, the Hamilton County Department of Education is really a, uh, a reflection or should be a reflection of what our community feels and thinks about education. And... Uh, Really, so it, it's it's deeper than that. It's about community organizations. It's about individual citizens. It's about teachers, parents, students. It's about everybody coming together as one to pursue uh, what's best for everyone. Yeah. So these aren't the challenges facing HCDE. These are the the challenges facing facing our community. Yeah. Each and every each and every one of us right. for sure. Right. That's great. So okay. So let's let's get into these challenges that are facing us. And let's start with, um, well, like you said, we're, I want to go by the categories you guys sure. created. So under elected officials, so and under each category, you guys whittled it down to two uh, major issues, two major challenges. So under elected officials, um, talk about the two challenges that you guys kind of whittled down or the community whittled down uh, through their voting process. Yeah, absolutely. So the top one under elected officials um, is to ensure that the appropriate amount of funds are provided to ensure um, school facilities are safe and healthy learning spaces and that we have a long-term plan to sustain them. Um, so that's the number one issue, funding, funding for a safe learning environment for our young people and our teachers. And then the next um, most important issue outlined by our community is, again, funding to recruit support and keep the best teachers in our schools. Yeah, so these are the kind of the issues you guys want to take to uh, elected officials. Yes. We need you to provide funding for safe schools. We need you to provide funding for great teachers that we can keep them here. Yes, and I want to emphasize the long-term plan. So it's one thing to inject a small or large amount of money one time into an infrastructure or a system, but we need a long-term plan. We want more than a one-year budget. We want a five-year plan so that we can make sure that these efforts are sustained. All right, so then the next category is, you guys had was uh, HCDE administration and leadership. Somebody take that one. Well, uh, the number one thing was to uh, end the socioeconomic and racial segregation in the schools. Um, and and uh, that seemed to be a theme that, that was uh, across other categories as well. Yeah, so, so this is, I, I feel like this might be the biggest single issue uh, through this entire process, the one that, like, this is not going to be something to solve tomorrow, uh, but this is, a, this is a recognized problem. This is the community saying this is a recognized challenge within our county um, that we, we've got to figure out how to end socioeconomic and racial segregations within our school system. Um, are, are you guys forming policy ideas off of this, or really you're just asking the community what are the, what are the big issues? So something we're doing in this process is we 
the community is absolutely involved and has identified the top issues, but behind the scenes, we're doing best practice research um, to see nationally what's working and what isn't working. So for each of these 10 focus areas, we're marrying that with best practice research. Um, So it's what the community wants to see and what we know works and doesn't work. And we're going to combine those two things together and hopefully find a path forward. So this is kind of a question towards the end, but like, is there a... um when, when are you guys releasing sort of those best practice recommendations? Is that you have a horizon for that yet? We do. So we actually have an event coming up March 22nd um, where Nicole Hannah Jones is going to be coming to speak specifically to um, socioeconomic and racial segregation in schools and how that's also linked to housing issues. Um, so at that launch event, or I guess not a launch anymore, but at that event for the community to um, look specifically at this issue area, we're going to have a longer form um, policy document that does highlight the best practice research. And um, it will provide a more clear way for people to get involved in the implementation of this plan. So the other thing that's really important in that category is making sure that uh, we're getting teachers that are reflective of the diversity of our students. So uh, if teachers are reflective of the, the students that they're serving, it makes it easier for them to connect with the students, and it makes it easier for them to uh, be good role models for the students that they're serving as well. Um, you know, if people see people in teaching that look like them uh, and sound like them and can identify with their personal struggles, um, then it provides them great role models that they can strive towards in their lives. All right, so elected officials, HCD, administration, and leadership, and then the, the third category was schools. What, what are some of the, big, the two big issues that we need to focus on with our schools? So um, I'm really excited about these. Um, two issues came up a lot. Uh, the first being that students and teachers need to have a voice in the issues that matter most to them. Um, I think we all know that those with lived experience, those with direct uh, everyday realities of the classroom, teachers and students um, have the expertise needed to actually shift things in the right direction. Um, So elevating their voices, providing infrastructures to do that, ensuring that they feel safe to have their voices heard, um, to stand up in meetings, to advocate for their young people or advocate um, for those within the school is so vital and so important. Um, Carrie, I mean, this must be something that's very close to your heart as well, this issue of, of, of teachers having a voice and students having a voice within the issues. Absolutely. Uh, I think a lot of times when, when I was teaching that we did not feel that we had a voice. Mm. Uh, so, uh, and, and the students as well. And it's reflected in Unified Ed because on the steering committee, there were students involved. So yeah. uh, hearing that voice and, and, and other teachers and principals who were involved on the steering committee uh, was really a good thing to have on the steering committee. Yeah, and, and, and Alexa, I love how you actually say the word infrastructure there. So creating systems and even setting up systems where those voices can be heard um, is, is just such a huge thing. I mean, I think even, like you said, in the steering committee, you had principals, you had students, you had, I mean, there's 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 not very many organizations that can bring that many voices together. And so, yeah, I think, I think steering committee is a great example. Um, but, but what else, Alexa, with schools? Um, second, and we heard this a lot and in a lot of deeply felt ways, that student mental and emotional health needs must be supported. Um, There's a lot of ideas how that can happen, um, but I'll shift to Samantha here to talk more about this. Yeah, so I actually, um, one of the schools that I visited during the uh, project was uh, Battle Academy. Um, you know, and I met with their principal and some and some teaching staff and and some uh, students at the school and and got a, a tour of that school. They've got a really unique and awesome program. Um, but one of the things that they expressed to me, uh, you know, some of the um, folks in the school 
mentioned that they actually don't have sufficient support in this area. So they don't uh, have the psychological or, or counseling resources that they need because there are so few counselors split among so many schools in the county. Um, and, uh, and one of the things that they said, um, and, and I definitely agree, is that if they can support students better in uh, not only coping with, uh, you know, growing into themselves in school, but also uh, in, in their broader lives, um, then, then those students might not uh, have, you know, behavioral issues. They may be able to kind of work through some of those challenges. And they said that if every, if they had a, um, you know, a full-time psychologist or counselor at the school that they would, they would be, you know, readily employed and, and, and fully used all the time. So I thought that was a really interesting yeah. perspective. And, you know, Battle Academy um, is in a part of town that, you know, uh, does receive a, a lot of resources. So if that's kind of their situation, you can, sure. you can only imagine what other schools in the county are facing as well. For us, the mental and emotional health needs really speaks to the fact that we want to look at at the wholeness of our young person and yeah. not just test scores. Right. The success of our young people, the success of the classroom, the success of our system um, isn't just whether or not a young person can show up on a day and get a good score um, in reading. It's whether or not they're thriving and feel safe and can be in a state of mind to learn and that our teachers are able to support them and our schools are able to support them. So very much that the education system um, is about creating thriving human beings um, and not just good test takers. What are the big issues with community members that we need to be looking at? Sure. So the top thing that arose out of this category is the need for parents and community members to embrace opportunities to, to support schools and children. And so you're right. It's not just on our parents. It's on all of us, right? Even if we have kids, if we don't have kids, we need to be showing up in our schools to support our teachers and our students. Um, so parental engagement is something that comes up all the time. We would love for our parents to be as involved as they can be, but we also want our schools to provide the supports to the parents so that they are encouraged to come and feel welcome in those spaces. So we see it as a reciprocal relationship there. Yeah, and I mean, even, even right now, you can point out the most successful public schools within our county are the ones the community is the most involved in, not just the parents, but the community as a whole. So right. these are the ones that have the big fundraisers every year, uh, public schools, and, and those are the most successful ones in our county. So yeah, this is, this is great if every school can sort of if, it, if the community can start embracing schools within their neighborhoods, that'd be huge. And, and close in second place is the end of socioeconomic and racial segregation. And in this actually schools. ties back to the, one, the point we talked about earlier. Exactly, exactly. So that, that's a, 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 another uh, theme that's running through this whole thing. Right. So, yeah. So we talked about the same thing when it comes to elected officials. Uh, we need policy solutions to this, but we also need the community. We need community members to, to demand this right. as well, demand the Absolutely. end to this socioeconomic um, segregation that we currently see in our system. Yeah, there definitely needs to the the idea and the demand to end social and racial socioeconomic and racial segregation. I find it fascinating that it appeared both in Hamilton County Department of Education as well as community members because the reality is that any plan that our school system develops is going to need the buy-in support um, and leadership from our community, um, both. Both need to occur. Um, our schools and our neighborhoods are not just the product of department policies, they're the product of social, political, economic histories. Um, and understanding what that means and having community members uh, willing and able to analyze that history and engage um, with shifting the landscape proactively and like with care and empathy um, is going to be very important. Okay, and then the final category was community organizations. 
Uh, so, what, so what are, how do we need to get community organizations more involved? What were the two big challenges there? So the first one is a hefty category. <laughs> and the reason that we put these all together was because they were all equally demanded. Um, each of them be could become their own separate work areas. And in fact, already are initiatives underway in our community. I do want to acknowledge that the issues identified in this policy platform, there are incredible people working on them. Um, so this one is mentoring, field trips, and early childhood education initiatives must be expanded. Again, this speaks, I think, to the whole child, that a young person is not just the individual who shows up in a classroom, it's the young person who's engaging with those in their community who can mentor them and help them um, interact with job opportunities or learning opportunities. It's also that every young person deserves experiential learning. It's not just the fish in the textbook, it's the fish at our aquarium and what that could look like and be like. And then early childhood, we know that um, the brain develops very early on and experiences that occur, especially learning opportunities that, are, that occur before you even enter a classroom are um, extremely vital and important. So those are those three areas. And then the second area under community organizations is asking local organizations and businesses to support and provide resources to our schools. Um, so we know it's not, again, it's not all on our school system or elected officials. It's also on the businesses and organizations surrounding our schools to help participate and provide resources for our students. Yeah, it's, the, it's one of the most important investments we as a community can make. Right. And we've seen this with the VWE labs. I do want to recognize that there are folks who are doing yeah. really great work that are having big, big impacts in our schools when our local businesses decide to step up and um, provide needed resources. And providing resources shows that it's a priority for our community. Right. So when you don't provide, it's an example of maybe it not being a priority, but when you do, it's making it a, um, one of the most important issues in our community. Mm -hmm. OK, so now that we've kind of talked through these 10 key challenges within our community, um, what what is what's the next step for the Apex project now? I mean, you guys have gone through this huge process. You've whittled down these ten issues. What's next? Yeah. So Ashley and I um, have been having a lot of conversations um, across our community to figure out. Okay, the community has identified these as issues aren't that are important. How can we elevate and highlight what everyone's already doing? Um, there are really really incredible inspired programs and people who are taking leadership in a lot of these areas so it's extremely important for us um, to ensure that that is highlighted in our policy platform and we're not reinventing the wheel <laughs> and we're being very collaborative and understanding what are the actual areas that if we took action we could plug into um, and yeah so there's those conversations right now um, we're working with our steering committee to identify um, what they are most excited and, and passionate about potentially engaging and moving forward. And so the drafting of what implementation could look like um, and how to, keep it, uh, how to keep it inclusive and collaborative and not just unify it, deciding what happens um, is what we're working on right now. So there's what the community has asked for so far. There's the best practice research that Ashley communicated it about earlier in the podcast. There's what our community is already doing. And then there's what our community leaders want to do next. And I want to emphasize that we recognize that this work cannot be done in a silo. So we're having conversations with people in public health, public safety, mm -hmm. housing, um, environmental justice work. So I, I think we want, as we move forward, we need to make sure all sectors are part of the conversation. So it's not just folks working within public schools, but it's people. We know housing issues are connected to public school issues. We know public health, public safety. Um, so continuing those conversations is going to be essential and having partnerships with those with those groups. 
you know, and the other thing that I find really interesting about the timing of this um, is that this is an election year, and uh, we have a lot of local elections coming up uh, over the next uh, over the next few months. And um, so, I, I do you see some of these policy suggestions or identifying these challenges as really maybe affecting the political process going forward this year? Yeah, so our hope is that the, the folks who are going to be running for office for county commission, county mayor, and school board, that they'll take these top 10 priority areas very seriously. And um, hopefully, we'll find a way to hold them accountable to those things. Ask them, is this something you can agree to? Is it not? If not, why not? Um, so that they can know how serious our community is about um, implementing these 10 priority areas and also informing the community on where our um, candidates stand on each issue. So, so moving forward with the Apex Project, what are you what are you most excited mm, about? Okay, yeah. Okay. Yay. <laughs> um, I'm most excited about finding ways to integrate equity principles in every single project and work that our community takes on. Um, the driver of this project, what made it so successful, is that we were constantly asking, how do we shift power away from the voices that always have power? How do we ensure that other voices and other experiences are being elevated? And most importantly, the voices and experiences of people who are actually in our schools, in our communities, and have lived experience. Um, so I think there are ways that all of our institutions and all of our organizations and all of our funders can look for equity principles um, and look for ways to integrate uh, more conscious equity frameworks into how we do our work. And so our change is sustainable. And I know you probably want to add to that. I want to echo that. Um, I think that equity doesn't just need to be highlighted in our public school system. It literally needs to be integrated into the work of our entire community. Um, something that I'm especially excited about is just how this whole process occurred and how empathy and the heart of the work was emphasized all along the way. Vulnerability was an important factor on how we all interact with one another. And I think um, continuing that focus in Oftentimes we attend these meetings with stakeholders um, and it can get quite rigid and we can get quite stuck in our ways. Um, but I think if we continue to put our hearts on the line and we're willing to take the risks that we really need to take for the most vulnerable populations in our community, I think if we're all able to step more into that arena, um, then we're going to see some big changes happen. Well, yeah, I'm excited to see the impact that this has on it. So thank you all so much for spending six to seven months, like I said, just really digging into what is it the community sees as the challenges facing our county moving forward. So thank you all for that, and thank you for being on the podcast. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much to Alexa, Ashley, Samantha, and Carrie for taking time to talk about the Apex Project. And thank you for all the work that they and their colleagues put into this project. For those of you who want to learn more about the Apex Project, maybe there was one point in there that you would just want to dig deeper on. I'd highly recommend you check out their website for more information at unifi-ed.org. Two things that we mentioned in the episode that I want to take a moment to reiterate here. Number one, this is an election year. So please, get to know and understand the challenges facing our community and discuss it with those people seeking to represent you in public office. Again, the policy proposals and solutions that Unify Ed came to through this long process are a great place to start. And number two, Unify Ed is hosting an event on March 22nd with Nicole Hannah-Jones on the issue of segregation, and that event is free. However, the tickets are limited. 
So if you'd like to learn more, you can do that on their website or follow the link in the show notes of this episode. Thank you to my studio sponsor, the Chattanooga Public Library and Dynamo Studios. And shout out to my producers on this episode, Meredith Levine and Charles Allison. And just in case you all have not heard, the studio here at the library now has open hours that can be scheduled for your next project. So whether you're looking to record a song or maybe interested in starting a podcast of your own, you can check out their open studio blocks and reserve a time for your next project. Well, thank you all for listening into our conversation on this important topic. Please take a moment to share this episode with a friend through email or social media, and you can do that through our website at thecamphouse.com slash podcast. Again, thank you all for listening, and we'll see you next time as we seek to connect, inspire, and inform you about the people and ideas shaping Chattanooga. Have a great day.